there and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. So we've got this new series called Culture, Let's Go. I'm going to put a scripture up on the screen for you. It's found in the book of Daniel and chapter 6. I'm going to read it to you. And then I'm going to explain to you what this is all about today. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. Say satraps. What is that? That is like a governor. Okay? It's like a governor. Uh, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 governors to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was, say it, Daniel, and the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. He's paranoid, this king. He's a little worried. Why? Because while he may have the most powerful kingdom in the world at his disposal, it's very corrupt. Even those closest to him are corrupt. And so that he would not suffer loss, he appoints people that he trusts to uh, oversee his stuff and his, his kingdom, okay? The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Pause. This series is about us living out our faith in such a way that people see it, in such a way that people go, what's different about you? And I pulled this passage up because I know something incredible about Daniel, and it's in this verse. He distinguished himself. He distinguished himself. Think about this for a moment. Daniel is a good Jewish boy, but as a young man, he has been taken from his land, taken from his home, taken from his family by an invading army of Babylonians, And because this is the way it worked in those days, the Babylonians would cherry pick the best people and bring them and and get them involved in their kingdom, in their society. They were essentially assimilating all the talent, okay? And Daniel's a talent. And Darius is assimilating all the best young men of the nation that they have conquered here, Israel. And so here's Daniel in a foreign place, a foreign nation, a foreign city, and uh, here he is excelling and distinguishing himself. I just want to pause there and ask you the question, what would it look like if we distinguished ourselves? What would it look like in my workplace? What would it look like in my college? What would it look like in my group of friends? What would it look like in my family if I distinguished myself? That's what Daniel did. Daniel was not like every other person on that team working for Darius in Babylon. He distinguished himself. When it comes to evangelism, when it comes to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it begins there. You may think evangelism, that's about what we say. 
evangelism is about my testimony or evangelism is about how I try and convert somebody by convincing them that Jesus is who he says he is. Evangelism is about answering the really difficult questions that people have. It's all about what we say. But long before you get to say anything of value or worth, it begins with your life. It begins with living in such a way that we distinguish ourselves such that people notice enough to say or ask or want to know what you've got to say. Does that make sense? Daniel wasn't here preaching to Darius about Yahweh. He wasn't reading Leviticus and Deuteronomy and and Genesis and Exodus. And I've just done those in all the wrong order, but he wasn't doing. He wasn't reading those books and going, you must obey the Ten Commandments, Darius. No, he wasn't doing that. Listen, before he ever said a word, he just distinguished himself. Isn't that cool? That means this. He was a cut above the rest. How was he a cut above the rest? He was trustworthy. And there wasn't a lot of trustworthy people around Darius. But if Daniel's yes, if Daniel said yes, he he meant his yes. Darius knew God. He actually does. What he says he's going to do. Darius knew he could trust his stuff with Daniel. And he wasn't going to. He wasn't going to lie. He wasn't going to cheat him. He wasn't going to rob him. He was responsible. And that was not the case in the politics of Babylon. And the implication in this passage is that this was because of Daniel's faith. While it's not overt, while it's not in your face, while it's not explicit in the text, while he's not saying it, it's it's inferred in all of this that Daniel was different because Daniel was follower of God, of God. It was his faith that meant he lived out different values, that meant he lived a different way, and he distinguished himself by embodying all the things that he believed as a Jew, as a believer in the Torah or the Old Testament of the Bible. Daniel distinguished himself. His message to the world began before he spoke a word. What would it look like if we distinguished ourselves? If we actually embodied, you see, belief, a belief, if a belief isn't embodied, all it is is a good idea that we agree with. A belief becomes a belief when we actually believe it, we think it's serious enough to actually mean we have to embody it and live it out. And that was, that's what Daniel did. Daniel didn't just have a good idea that he agreed with. He had a belief that became a, a, an embodied thing in his life that he actually outlived and outworked. He believed it to his core. See, if, if, if it's a belief, you really, it's really got a hold of you. you. It's really got a hold of you. This isn't just an, a good idea that you agree with now. And I I think we've got to become those kind of Christians that don't just agree with the stuff that's said from the stage. You don't just agree with the Bible, but embody it, but but agree with it and believe it so much that it's real in our lives. And that is what distinguished Daniel in a place like Babylon. Are you with me this morning? Got a few more things to say and then we're done. Two things resulted from Daniel distinguishing himself. Two things. Okay, one's good, one's not so good. I'm just going to spoil it for you. (laughs) 
Two things resulted. The first one was this, influence. Influence is the good thing. That resulted because he distinguished himself. Because he lived and embodied his beliefs, it, it gave him influence with Darius. Darius is thinking, I'm going to put this guy in charge of everything. Like those other two guys, I don't even know why I employed them. This guy, this is the guy. It, it gave him influence in a way that he didn't have it before. He rose through the ranks very quickly in Babylon because of his excellence, because he distinguished himself and he became this incredible guy. So influence when we distinguish ourselves, and, and think about this in your context, think about it in your workplace, think about it in your family, think about it in your college, wherever you are, think about it. If you distinguish yourself, it creates space around you for influence. People see you. People see you positively often. Not always, but positively. It gives you influence in your workplace. You're, you're going to get those promotions and this isn't a message, by the way, about how to get promoted. But, but listen, when you distinguish yourself, you create influence with the right people. And when people start talking, they start influencing over here. And that's what was happening to Daniel. So influence was the first thing. The second thing that resulted was persecution. Oh. Persecution. Not everybody liked Daniel. Not everybody wanted Daniel to succeed. Not everybody was looking at Daniel saying, wow, he's brilliant. Some people were thinking, going, oh, he was literally like a stink in the room because he distinguished himself. Hey, good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> I see loads of people here. Hello. <laughs> Daniel. Listen, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. Paul was saying this, for we, that's Christians, you and me, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. What is Paul saying? He's saying, if you really embody this, if you really live this out, if you really get this, to some you're going to be an aroma of life. They're going to look at you and want to know what's going on. There's an influence that grows because you're living and embodying this thing. And, and there's going to be a good smell to them. They're going to, I want to know what that is. And then there's some other people for which you'll be an aroma of death. They're going, they don't want that. They don't want to know that. You, you stink to them. And, and here's what I've learned. If you, if you are going to be a Christian that embodies this stuff and lives it out and distinguishes yourself, you have to rem remember this. Don't be surprised. Influence and persecution always go hand in hand. They do, right? You get some influence, you're going to get some persecution. If you don't have influence, you won't get persecution. It's true. If you keep your head down, if you don't distinguish yourself, if you just live among the, the turkeys... You never fly, okay? You won't fly, but you, you, I tell you what, you'll never have any trouble. But if you get influence, if you distinguish yourself, the chance are you will be an aroma to some of likeness. And, and I want you to get this. You have to come to terms that if you want to live wholeheartedly for the honor of Jesus Christ, you will gain some great influence with some and you will just upset some others and just be okay with that. Like, just accept it. 
not everyone's going to like me for this. Not everyone's going to follow me and go, how brilliant is it that Mike's a Christian and loves Jesus? No, actually, they're not always going to do that. There's a sense in which influence and persecution come hand in hand. And, and we have to get over a little bit of fear that comes with that knowledge. If we play average, we'll lose influence. So I don't want to do that. I want influence. But if I'm going to have influence, if I'm going to distinguish myself, if I'm going to let my life speak and point people towards the good news, then I'm going to have to accept some people are going to love me when I preach. You see, fear is what keeps us from that, isn't it? Fear of, fear of standing out, fear of rejection, fear of people saying things. And, and I've experienced that in my life, and it isn't always pleasant. But I've learned this. I've learned this. I want to give you a picture to describe it. Oftentimes, what we do is we think, where I am is the solid ground. And to use Simon's illustration this morning, if I grab hold of some other life in faith, if I step out, I'm going to be on a tightrope. And I'm afraid of that tightrope because I might fall off. I might let someone down. I might not do it very well. And we think, it's a tightrope if I, if, I, if I go for faith. But I want to say to you, it's actually the opposite way around. Right now, you're on the tightrope. Right now, if you live in your own strength and for yourself and in your own ways, you are on the tightrope right now. And it's only when you step in faith that you land on solid ground. Now you're, on the, you're in the safest place and the best place when you're, when you're in God's hands because he never lets you go, right? It's when, you're, it's when you're, you fear tricks us into thinking, I'm safer now down here than there. But in the call of God and in the purpose of God for your life and when you're living by faith, you are safer there than anywhere else. Don't get that the right, wrong way around. Does that make sense? So it's the fear of rejection that sometimes keeps us from being an effective witness. Fear acts like this. Uh, what does it go? I have a cue card. Oh, there it is. Has anybody got a coat? Oh, Jonathan, that'll do. That'll do. Fear. Don't worry. Works perfectly. That's what fear does. Okay, thank you, Carl. You can close that door behind you. That'll be great. <laughs> fear is like the blanket over your light. The light which God put in you. You know, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit resides in you. Jesus, by his spirit, lives in you. And he is light. He is in you. Okay? But our fear... Our fear does this. Our fear does that. And Jesus said this when he was teaching the disciples. He said this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand for influence. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your God in heaven. I want to take the fear off of rejection because here's the truth. It's not you they're rejecting anyway. It's him. It's actually Jesus that's being rejected, not you. Please don't ever take it personally. It's not you. 
put that one off of there for me. Brilliant. Take the fear away. This is in Luke chapter 6. Blessed are you. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. That's actually what we're going for. Listen. We've got to remove this fear of persecution. It comes when we distinguish ourselves. There's, there's something that sometimes happens when, when we do it. But Jesus is saying this, please don't cover up your light. Let them see your good deeds. He's saying, be distinguished by your good deeds. Distinguish yourself by your generosity. Distinguish yourself by your kindness. Distinguish yourself and let your light shine. Hey, if they reject you, they're rejecting me, and I'm going to bless you for it. But don't live in fear of that. Take the, take the fear away and just distinguish yourself. Some of you have no problem with that. Some of you are just so bold about Jesus. It inspires me. Like, Steve's a good example of that. And I know there are others, but I want to point Steve out because Steve has no fear about talking to anybody about Jesus, at least that I've seen. Maybe he does somewhere. He has literally no problem. You can go, you can meet a complete stranger and be in a conversation about Jesus way, way quicker than that. He went through that boldness and courage to overcome the fear that makes me put a hand up over my light because I'm worried a little bit about rejection. Because I'm worried they might not like me. But I've forgotten that the blessing of God, the reward of God, is, is coming to me. It's coming to me when I'm rejected. It's coming to me when they don't like me very much because I like Jesus. It's coming to me. Let them see your good deeds. Let them see your light by your good deeds. Distinguish yourself by your good deeds. Let them see your light. And here's what will happen when you do. When you distinguish yourself, God will distinguish himself through you. They'll see him. They'll see him. So the Bible says, again, in the New Testament, that they, they will know that you are his followers by the way that you love each other. What is happening? God is distinguishing himself through our good, good deeds, through our love. I love this passage. Distinguish yourself by doing good in unusual quantities, at unusual times, and with unusual generosity. In Acts 28, it says, uh, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us, say it, unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. The kind that Paul had not seen anywhere else on any other place he'd been. This was unusual kindness. This was like, you are crazy in your kindness. You are, you are distinguished from every other island. And I've been to all the Greek islands on my way here. In this storm, I've landed on about four other islands. And I tell you, I got to Malta. And Malta is distinguished from all the other islands such that it is read in Scripture for us today to know about Malta. Because of why? Unusual kindness. Their good deeds distinguish them such that they're in the Bible today. Imagine if our church was known for unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. That's unique. That's why we're doing this thing at Christmas. Listen, I want Ty's told you about it brilliantly. But what we want to do is bring people through these doors into a place where we show them unusual kindness. 
one of us to call Christmas. I want to make this place a winter wonderland district. And I have some really great conversations with people and just say, we are here for you. And do you know what? You might have some kids here and they might go, I haven't got any yet. And we might go, just take off your boots, Jack. Just take off your boots. We might do that. And you will give generously. Because for us, we're not trying to do it to make money. We're also not just doing a giveaway. We want people to come in. We want people to retain a sense of dignity by buying things, okay? We're not just throwing stuff at people. We want them to come in. We want them to have a look around. We're going to dress some of you up as elves, and you're going to do a wrapping station and, and wrap their presents with them. We're going to have some, some of us are going to sit down and have a mince pie with somebody and have a chat. Right? We're creating an space and environment where somebody lands here, maybe not even planning to, just seems to land on our shore and goes, there's unusual kindness in this building. And we're distinguishing ourselves from all the shops up the road that are selling stuff for goodness knows how much at Christmas. That's why we're doing it. Distinguish yourself by doing good in unusual quantities at unusual times and with unusual generosity. I really love that about carers. Unusual kindness. You're such a kind man. Such a generous man. He was an inspiration for us and for me. Imagine that space. So back to Daniel. Last bit. So these administrators, the administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. That's a lie, because Daniel wasn't there. Have all agreed that the king should issue an edict, an edict that cannot be broken, and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Here's the persecution, the enemy. And it's not just these people, whoever these unnamed people are. There's an enemy behind these people, isn't there? We know that. There's a, an enemy that's out to try and shut the mouths of evangelists, to shut the mouths of people that are letting their light shine. There's an enemy that wants to put a, a thing over their life. And that enemy has to go away. He's trying to put it over us. He's trying to shut things down. But what we find, and I'm not going to read the whole rest of the story because we have got time. We find this, that God is able to shut the mouth of the lion. God's able to look after those in need. God looks after those that cry out. And God looks after Daniel. And even though all hell breaks loose because he distinguished himself, all hell didn't have any chance of that. And all hell makes loose against you and this church. All hell has broken loose sometimes against us, it feels like, doesn't it? All hell sometimes breaks loose, but God is able to close the mouths of the lion. And two pestilent ultimate harms, if we are willing to distinguish ourselves, to embody our beliefs, to really live them out, God will look after us. Let me tell you this, by the end of that story, because Daniel distinguished himself, God was able, through Daniel, to distinguish himself. God, Darius starts saying, wow, at the end of the story, Darius makes a command to get everybody to worship Daniel's God. So not only does the enemy lose, he loses big time, right? 
So the lesson is from Daniel isn't, hey, if you distinguish yourself and if you start shining your light, you're going to get persecuted. So don't you dare do that. You keep yourself down. You keep yourself amongst the persons. You, you keep covering your light. That's not the message of Daniel. The message of Daniel is this. If you distinguish yourself and if you let your good deeds shine, even though you may experience some persecution, God will look after you and God will make sure your influence goes far beyond what you could ever ask, think, or imagine. So let them see. Let them see that God can work through your attitude at work. Let them see that God works through your excellence in your job. Let them see that God can work through your integrity. Let them see it in your kindness to a stranger, in your generosity to a good cause, in your encouragement to a discouraged colleague, in your helpfulness in a difficult situation. Go overboard. Let your good deeds distinguish you and create influence around you. Let them see and realize this, that you don't need a checked box to be a preacher. Daniel has just taught us how to preach the gospel before we've even said a word. Let's pray.